continue our Bible study. Uh, there's um, some papers up here. I did them this week. If you want to grab some of those. I know some of you were a little confused when we came in um, with the lack of tables. Uh, I think maybe we might just do that once a month. Maybe the first Wednesday. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But uh, just a few announcements before we go into our Bible study. Um, coming Sunday evening, so ladies, ladies night at 7, and uh, then the men's at, the men's, the men's at um, 26th at 7, and uh, then family camp coming up, about a month away, 6 to the, look at that, 6 to the 10th, it's a Christmas miracle. Uh, so that'll be good if you can go to those services. Uh, we're going to cancel that Wednesday and Sunday. Um, so if you can get up to any of those, uh, please do so. And then junior camp, youth camp, if you want to help uh, with either one of those, let me know and we'll get you those forms that you need. Uh, so we're going to continue on our Bible study. We left off last week. In 1 John 4. Um, so we're going to pick it up uh, verse, verse 7. So we're going to start, but we're not going to read it yet. Uh, let's just, um, I'm just going to pray again. Um, God will keep working and uh, speak to us through His Word tonight. Jesus, hallelujah. God, we thank you for your presence and your anointing that's here in Jesus. I pray that you would uh, continue to, to work and uh, continue to speak to us um, through your word tonight. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts. God, make us more like you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated if you like. Um, well, this is our ninth lesson in this epistle. It's not a long one. Um, the lesson is, but it's not a long um, epistle. Uh, we got about maybe three more lessons after this one. Hopefully, I'm not sick of it yet. Um, the next two epistles, they're only like, I don't know, 15 verses each. So we'll just do those one lesson each, probably, if we do that. Um, but uh, the title tonight, as you can tell, if you have a paper, is God is Love. And. Uh, um, we're currently in the month of rainbows and pride, and you'll hear people um, that like to throw out the phrase around this time of year, that love is love, and here John is going to argue that. And the theme of this portion is God is, is love. And John has already talked about uh, loving each other and loving our brother. We've gone over those already, and he's kind of circling back to that. And if you remember anything about this epistle is that it's in circles. As you notice, he just, anyway. So this one's a little bit longer than the ones we've had so far. And it's a bit of a chunk of scripture. We're going from uh, verse 7 to 21. So uh, I'll try to get you out by 8. We'll see how it goes. Um, so First John 4, 7 to 8. And again, I've been reading the English Standard. They're very similar, but I just, this one is easier for me. So um, follow along, whatever you have. Uh, so verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And verse 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because 
God is love. And so he kicks this little portion. This is a pretty big portion for, compared to all the other ones. But he kicks us off with a reminder that at the end of it, he's going to end with the same thought. And so it's kind of, if you look at it, um, like bookends. He starts with this, you know, um, love one another, and he's going to end with that. But in the middle, he's talking about how God is love. And so um, he starts with let us love one another. And last week, we talked about testing the spirits, if you remember, and being able to um, listen to the, the preacher. In this case, it's John. And, and us, he says, and listen to the preacher and the word of God and making sure that our spirits are right. And if we can receive it, then um, then our spirits are right. And, um, and uh, if your spirit is right, this part, loving each other, comes quite easily. Uh, if your spirit is not, it will not. Um, so if your spirit is right with God, his love will flow out of you pretty easily. I don't know. Um, if you've ever noticed, you just don't seem to hate people after you have a good move with the Holy Ghost. Has that ever... <laughs> I don't know. If you're, like, when that happens, I don't know if you've ever noticed that the little quarrels that we've had with, with people uh, in the tiffs, they don't seem to matter as much when you're lost in the presence of Jesus. Strange how that works, isn't it? And if this isn't happening, then I have a solution for you. <laughs> Get your spirit right and find yourself in the presence of God until it starts happening. Now, I've been in, in, in services where you could just see the spirit of God working and, and you could just you could literally see him um, repairing relationships and people going to um, and praying with people that they had issues with and past problems with. I don't know if you've ever seen this type of thing happen, but when it does, it's incredible. And I've had issues with people, and I've prayed with them, and they've prayed with me, and it's just there's something that happens when you get into the presence of God. Why? Because love is from God, he says. Whoever loves, John says, has been born of God and knows God. And so on the other side of that, you cannot know God and not love. Does that make sense? You cannot claim to know God and be in a relationship with him and be close to him and then hate the kids, hate your neighbor, hate the pastor, hate the lady in front of you at the grocery store, hate the person who appears to have gotten their license from a Cracker Jack box, hate the, someone from a different province or country, or someone who looks or talks differently than you. If you know God, you can't be doing, or you shouldn't be doing that. We need to love one another because the Bible says love is from God. If you know him, you should be loving. And if you follow him, you should be loving. But yet we have people who claim to be Christians who are <laughs> the, mo uh, the most... <laughs> Oh, don't shoot me. Narrow-minded, pig-headed, stubborn, rude, unloving people who walk the face of the earth. We have people like that. No one here, obviously, but I'm sorry to tell you, well, not really, this passage is implying that you don't even know God. And by implying, I mean he's straight up saying it because in verse 8 he says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. <laughs> this is a good one. And again, this does not mean love the people who you would naturally love. Because you know who does that? Everybody, Everybody does it. 
right? So why would John just just do the thing that comes natural? That that's not how it is. And so, one of the key indicators that you know God or you've been born of God, as John says, or born again, like we um, say, it's it's that you love because love comes from God. And there is a love that only comes from him. And the only way that we can show this love uh, and experience this love is to know him. The word love being used in this passage is the Greek word agape, which I'm sure you have heard of this before. If you're familiar um, with the Greek language, which this was written in, it wasn't written in the King James English. It was written in Greek. Um, there were at least three different types of words for love that were translated to love um, in the Bible. There's eros, or eros, which is erotic sexual love. We're not getting that one tonight. Um, there's philos, or philia, which is friendship, uh, or brotherly love, which is why Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, because that's the word it comes from. And uh, agape, which is the love of God for um, person, or... Um, love for God, and it also means brotherly love and charity that we get, we get from God and show to others. And so agape is God's love for us. People say unconditional love, and that's what agape is. And it's our, and our reflection of that love to him and to those around us. So this is the word that um, John is using throughout this passage. It's agape. And um, the word no, I know we'll be like these sure you love this stuff where I just tell you what words mean. It's the dictionary. But the word know here means to recognize and perceive, and it has that connection with knowing intimately. It's the same word that Mary says, how can these things be? For I know not a man. Felix is playing the drums. He's got a good set of arms on him. <laughs> so, anyone who does not love, who does not reflect or show the agape love, the love that Jesus shows us, anyone who does not express this love to others, this love that we have been given by Jesus, John says, these people do not know God, or these people are not close with God. They do not know him intimately. They are not as close to him as they say. Because if they did, then the, his love that shines on us would reflect to those around them. And this is a reminder that because he loves me, I should love you. And he's going to explain and spell it out some more in the rest of this passage, but this is what it is about. And um, so verse 9 and 10, it says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I have a hard time saying that word. I don't know why, but it sounds weird. Um, so now John explains this love, this agape love that God has shown to us. And this, um, he says, this is how the love of God is, um, has been made manifested or shown to us. How he says, he sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him, right? So we are dead in sin. We're condemned to be lost for eternity. And he came and paid the price for our sins so that we might live through what he's done. And John says this is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That he sent his son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He loved us so much that he did this thing. And you may be thinking, yeah, I know that dummy. I know he loves us. I know he paid the price. Hopefully you weren't calling me a dummy in your head. I know he paid the price on Calvary. That's basic Christianity 101. Everyone knows that. So what does this have to do with me and how I act? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I'd like to ask questions for you. Verse 11, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So this is our reaction to the love that he's given us. Interestingly enough, the word beloved or beloved, if you want to say it like that here, comes from the word agape as well. And so John, by calling them or calling us beloved, is modeling the love of God too, which is pretty neat. But he says, our response to the fact that he loves us that much is to love one another. That is what we should do with this love we've been given. Okay. Let me show you something. Because we like to twist things and put all the responsibility on the other people. <laughs> well, they didn't call me. They didn't speak to me. And they did this. And they did that. And the other thing. I don't hate them. I just don't talk to them. or go out of my way to do anything for them. Or associate with them. Or pray for them. Or anything like that. I don't hate them. But I, I definitely don't like them. <laughs> I love them. I ignore them. So our example, the example that John has given us for how we love each other is what? God's love for us, right? And God showed his love by doing what? By sending his son, paying the price for our sins, correct? And God initiated the love. God showed the love first, and God is our example. Not because we loved him, not because we did anything, not because... We made the first step, and he's like, oh, yeah, sure, we can, we can, I can do that for you. Not because we did something first, not because we are special. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God commended, that means he showed his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God initiated this love because he is love, and love comes from him. So he is our example. It doesn't matter what the other people are doing. Jesus came and paid the price while we were yet sinners. He showed his love for us. He is our example. He's the one that we're supposed to follow. And that example means, I want to put this on you, but you, me, we have to initiate that love. You don't wait for them to not be annoying or <laughs> to fix the thing or change their personality, or whatever it is that causes you not to want to talk to them. God's example is he did it. He showed love. We didn't do anything. And if, even if we never come to him, he still showed the love. He's our example. <laughs> you don't have to wait for them. You follow his example. 
While we were yet sinners, he showed his love. He loved us before we loved him. This is our example. Nowhere does it say, wait for someone to be nice and then love them, or wait for someone to smile and then go talk to them or love them. It says, no, love them now. Love them where they are. The mess they're in, whatever. Love them. That is agape love. Not wait and see what they can do for me. Love them now because Jesus loves you. You know who loves people? When they are nice to them, do you know who loves people after they do something for them? The world. Everybody else. The world is not our measuring stick. God and his word are. So be like him. He is love. And if you're struggling with this, we said at the beginning, get in his presence. We said on Sunday, let his spirit work through you. That's what he's given it to you for, to make you more like him. And reflect this and show this love. Because he is love. Everybody okay so far? 12 and 13 says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. So, there's got this phrase in, in the verse 12 at the beginning. No one has ever seen God. What does that have to do with anything? Like, I, I, I don't know if you've noticed that when you read it. He's just talking about like what we're supposed to be doing. God's done this. And then he says, no one has ever seen God. And I was reading this. And a part of this verse doesn't seem to really go with the rest of the passage. If, I don't know if it looks like that to you or not. Um, he's talking about loving people. He's talking about God loving us and us loving because he did this and, and all that and circling and circling like John does. And then he throws this phrase in here. He says, no one has ever seen God. Why? What does it have to do with anything? And I've come to the conclusion that what he's getting at is this. No one has seen God because he's a, he's a spirit and you can't see spirits. And this is true. No one has seen him physically. Um, when we love each other, when we love the people that we meet and come in contact with, we love our brothers and sisters, the people we work with, people we go to school with, the people we interact with, when we show his love, his agape love that he's given to us, they get a glimpse of who he is. Nobody's seen God, but by me loving them, they, they come in contact with his love. And by us loving each other, we essentially show them God, not physically, but we show them God because God is love. And if he abides in us and his love is perfected and completed, that's what perfected means, completed. Um, if we abide in him, sorry, his love is perfected and completed in us. No one has seen him, but if we love each other, we know, he says, that he is abiding in us and we know that he is with us. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his Spirit. So we know that we are abiding in him and he is abiding in us because he has given us um, his spirit. We talked about that a little bit Sunday morning. And the byproduct of receiving the spirit of God, because God is love, and love comes from God, is what's a by the byproduct is love. Right? We know we have the spirit. He's given us the spirit. We know that we are in him. He's in us. And because of that, he circles back to the previous verse. We need to let his love be perfected in us. And the word perfected here, I gave you the Greek word. If you can read Greek on your paper, I can't even read it in English. 
Tele, oh, oh, I don't know, something. But it means to bring to an end, or to complete, or to perfect, and it's used, um, talking about finishing a course, or a race, or something like that, like I complete something, I finish something. Uh, it's used as a time, uh, used in time, or a prediction, I accomplish something, or I uh, make perfect, I uh, pass something, I made um, perfected. So. We talk about finishing the race, about running the race, finishing our course and all that. This is a, if you will, this is a race within the race. God's love being perfected and completed and finished in us. That's what he's trying to do in us. He's trying to complete something in us. And the only way this is going to happen is if we let his spirit have his way in our lives. He abides in us through the infilling of the spirit. And because he abides in us, his love is perfected in us. I feel like I'm also talking in circles. Uh, hopefully it's making sense. If it isn't, okay. We need to let the Holy Ghost work on our hardened hearts. And we need to let his love soften our hearts so that we can show that same love to our brothers and sisters. We have people in our church and in our, you know, we're connected to that are going through all kinds of stuff. We've had so much uh, loss over the last couple of years. And are we there for our brothers and sisters during these times? Do we go out of our way? Do we just mumble a prayer on Sunday because somebody mentioned it? Do we actively love each other? Do we encourage each other? Do we call or message or, or whatever? Do we do this to each other? And some people, you know, some people you might not want calling or talking to you because every time they do, it's something negative. But uh, are, we, are we building up each other? Because that's what love does. Are we building up new folks? Are we building up the children? Are we building up um, young parents who may be struggling? Are we showing the same grace and mercy we want shown to us? His love should be perfected in us. And those of us who have been around this thing for years, who have had the Holy Ghost for a, for a while, His love should be evident in our lives. But instead, we often tend to allow life to make us jaded and bitter and hardened. So we need to, myself included, get into his presence and let his spirit work and let him perfect his love in you. And John kind of circles back to that like he, he's been doing and to how God showed his love for us again. So 14 to 16, that's what he talks about. He says, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be a Savior, be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So again, we have, he says we have seen and we can testify, especially John who's writing this, he's seen and a lot of things with Jesus and his ministry and he is uh, you know he was there for most of the things that happened and but he says that we can see and testify that Jesus came to save us and uh, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God he says God abides in him and he and God if you remember last week talked about testing the spirits what did he say it was a sign that a spirit was of God verse 2 of John chapter 4 first John 4 he says by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So he's tying these two ideas together. 
And he does this quite often throughout this letter, as you've probably noticed. And if you haven't, you haven't been paying attention. Well, that's what he does. So he's tying it back to that, connecting everything. And, he, and um, uh, so he's tying these two ideas together. And he, so he, you would have the right spirit, obviously, if you have the Holy Ghost and God's love is being perfected in you. And then he says in verse 16, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So, through all of this, Jesus coming, being our Savior, us receiving the Holy Ghost, having God's love being perfected in us, uh, we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. There's something about experiencing the love of God. When we get a revelation or realization of what Jesus has done for us, when we receive his Spirit, when we seek his face and let him work in our lives, there's something about that. You can't convince me that he doesn't love me. He's done too much for me. I've seen too much. I've testified of too much. You cannot convince me otherwise. The song says he's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. You cannot convince me that he does not love me. He paid the price for my sin. He set me free. He delivered me. He forgave me. He turned my life around. He gave me hope. He's given me peace. He's called me, anointed me. He's done incredible things in my life. I know he loves me because of what I've seen and testified of. I've, I've experienced this love firsthand. You can say whatever you want, but that's not going to change anything in my life. John says we've seen this. We've testified of this. We know this to be true, that God loves us. And he says, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in him. So when we actively seek to live a life of love, we are abiding in him. When we actively seek to love our neighbors as ourselves, like the Bible says, or to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are abiding in him. But when we seek to tear down or destroy or complain and gossip and oh, can you believe it? We are not abiding in him. That's not love. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. He said that if we abide in love, we abide in God and he is in us. Right? Verse 17 says, by this is love perfected with us. That we might, we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. He says, this is how his love is perfected in us. Circling back to Abiding. Remember that? A few weeks ago, there's this chapter two, we really hammered on abiding in Jesus. There's a, one of the themes in this epistle. He mentioned it in chapter two a few times. This may seem like common sense, but by abiding in love or abiding in God, his love is completed and perfected in us. And the only way that's going to happen is if we abide, which means to stay daily, consistently, regularly in him. Go to him in prayer. Let him work through you. Put him first in everything you do. Jesus at the center. We can sing it, but we need to, to, live, to live it. Live this out daily. We abide in him and stay in him. Don't go wandering and then come back on Sunday. Oh, daily. Stay in him. And as a result of doing this, John says we can have confidence for the day of judgment. We don't need to worry about our future. Because we have his spirit, we have his love, it's been perfected in us, and we have abided in him. And he says, as he is, so also are we. And that means that through us abiding in him 
in his love through the work of his spirit, we become like him. Essentially, we're representing him to the world. The Bible also says that we are ambassadors of Christ. We're his representatives. No man has seen God, right? But through his love working through us, they can meet him. They've met him, or if they've met us, hopefully. We've shown his love. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Um, so fear of the judgment day, you know, he's just mentioned, but there's also fear of all kinds of things. And uh, for some reason, the church seems to be well acquainted with fear. I don't know why, we shouldn't be, but we're afraid people won't like us or listen to us. We can be afraid of stepping out in faith. We can be afraid of going where he leads us. We can be afraid of all kinds of things. But he says here that perfect love casts out fear. And now I've heard people quote this verse quite often out of context. And I'm sure, um, I'm pretty sure I have as well. And maybe you have. Um, and usually they, we just say, perfect love casts out fear. Why are you afraid? Jesus' love is perfect. Flawless. He's, no one's ever said that, right? <laughs> and that's not necessarily wrong, but in the context of what John has been saying, he's already used this word perfect or perfected a few times, right? And we know what it means. It's completed. And so um, even at the end of this verse, he uses the word perfected again. It's the same word. Um, and we know by reading and studying this book that John goes in circles. So verse 12, he says, no one has ever seen God. If you love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Verse 17, by this is love perfected in us. We might have confidence for the day of judgment. And then verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Um, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So this doesn't necessarily mean flawless love, although the love of God is that. But that's not what this word means. It's the word that means completed or finish the race sort of thing. And so John is not saying that because the love of Jesus is perfect or flawless, we should never be worried about anything. There's all kinds of other verses that tell us not to worry or fear, so I'm not telling you go ahead and be filled with fear. There's all kinds of other verses that tell us not to. You can use those. But what John is saying is this love of God that he is trying to perfect in us by us abiding in him, by abiding in his love, by us being filled with the Spirit, letting him work through us. This love casts out fear. When he is able to perfect his love in us, this is the love that casts out fear. So if you are afraid, his love hasn't been perfected in you yet. That's what the rest of the verse says. Fear has to do with punishment or judgment in this verse it says as well. And whoever fears hasn't been perfected in love. And we are uh, afraid of what people will do or say or whatever. But if his love is perfected in us, that stuff doesn't really matter. And this goes the other way, too. People who call themselves Christians or who do not have the love of God perfected in them often cause others around them to fear. Fear their judgment, fear their wrath, fear upsetting them and causing a scene, and we tiptoe around these people because we don't want to set them off. But if we would all just allow God to perfect his love in us, this would not be a problem. 
We'd be able to speak freely without fear of judgment, without fear of repercussions, without fear of something being held over our heads the rest of our lives. If you think of any healthy relationship, there's no fear, or there shouldn't be, if your relationship's healthy, you shouldn't be afraid of your wife, and she shouldn't be afraid of you, and if that's the case, I, I don't know. You need to work that out, I guess. But in a healthy relationship, there shouldn't be any fear because there's love, and when we don't love, then fear takes over. So we need to, as followers of Jesus, let him perfect his love in us. And if people are afraid of you and they have to whisper because you're around, if people are worried you're going to snap and bite their head off, his love hasn't been perfected in you yet either. And if you're the one who is afraid of that, his love isn't perfected in you either as well. Either, either. Does that make any sense? So what do we do? The Bible says, he said it already, we abide. Abide in him. Stay in him. His love, his spirit, let him work in love. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. This is our response. So again, he's circling back to what he talked about at the beginning. This is our response to his love. We love because he did. He took the first step, so we take the first step. Don't wait for them to come around. It may never happen. And Jesus didn't wait for me to come around. He loved me first. And so he loops back to what he started with. This is the second bookend of this um, portion. Verse 21 to or 20 to 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Annabelle, stop. John hasn't called us liars for a few minutes. <laughs> Seems like he's doing that every week. We do this, you're a liar. So here it is. He says, uh, if you love God but hate your brother, you is a liar. How can you not, he says, how can you not love a brother you can see that God's working in? No man's ever seen God, remember? How can, how can you see your brother that Jesus loves, that Jesus saved, that God is perfecting his love in? How, how can you see him and hate him? You can't. You can't do that and love God because if you love God, you love what God's doing. And God's working in, in your brother, right? Your brother is God's. You're, he's an ambassador of Christ just like you are. Your sister is part of the body just like you are. And a body that hates itself is not a healthy body. So, <laughs> we've already gone over this part a few times already. We'll just leave it. But God is love. And we need to reflect that love. Not our love, not love that comes natural for us, but agape love, the love that he showed us. And that means that sometimes, or all the times, we're going to have to initiate that love. Not wait for someone else to do it, not wait for someone else to come to us and you know, make it right or whatever. While we were yet sinners, he showed his love for us. He died for us. And so... You're going to be waiting an awful long time if you're waiting for everyone to get it all straightened out before you love them. Your list of people you love is going to be very small. If that's, if that's your criteria. So, because he's loved us, 
It's our responsibility to love him. And the only way we're going to be able to do that, because people are people, and we all have different personalities, the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we abide in him and stay in him and daily let him work and daily get in his presence and daily get in and pray and get in his word and let him work in our lives. So, does that make that clear? Don't be afraid. <laughs> oh, well, let's, I got right to 801. Let's pray together. Once more. I guess that wasn't as long as I thought it would be. Let's pray uh, once more. Jesus, uh, we thank you for the love you've shown us and, and given us. And God, I pray that you would help us as your people to to show that love to our brothers and sisters. God, to reflect that back to the, the people around us. And Jesus, I pray that your love would be perfected in us and made perfect. God, in us, you would complete what you're trying to do in our lives. And God, that we would abide in you continuously and stay in you. And God, I pray that you would work on our hearts and make us more like you. God, don't let people be afraid because we're around and we're going to, uh, we're going to, snap and lose it. God, I pray that you would just, just help us to show your love and, and to love like you did and initiate that love like you did, I pray. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for what you've done, God. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and your love, Jesus. I pray, help us to show that um, to people around us, to our families, our, our church, our, our neighbors, and anyone we meet, I pray. In Jesus' name, let your will be done in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.